We're gonna dissect some scripture today, so we're gonna have a lot of fun. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, this is our anchor scripture in the series, King of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase in learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance. Here is the really uh, important part coming up in just a minute. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. Here it is, verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And then here's what I want us to hear today, and this is what we're gonna kind of really focus in on. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is where the church gets quiet every time. How many of you have heard uh, Jeff Foxworthy before, right? Says you might be a redneck if. You might be a fool if you despise wisdom <laughs> and discipline. Okay, now we're gonna go to the next scripture. This is what we're gonna really do the, the hard work in over the next few weeks. First Corinthians chapter six, verses 12 through 20. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will do away with both of them. However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I take a part of Christ's body and make it a part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For scripture says the two will become one flesh. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Verse 19, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Here it is, you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. We are gonna tackle a very difficult piece of scripture over the next three weeks. Y'all ready for that? Today, as we continue on our series, Act of Fool, I wanna speak to you from the subject, catchy slogans, dualism, and no diving allowed. As we take the next few weeks to look at boundaries, healthy decision-making, our identity, and how God has a best design for our lives. We pray with me just one more time this morning? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. And right now, we lean in with faith today, knowing that your word is good, that your word is true, your word has been breathed by you. And so we submit ourselves to the counsel of your word today, and I pray that it would give us wisdom, discretion, discernment, that it would challenge us and change us, that your word would do what you said your word would do, and that is bring truth to our lives, and where there's truth, there is freedom. And so we thank you for your word, that it's alive and active and powerful in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. I don't like rules. Come on. <laughs> Can we be honest in church today? You don't like rules. You don't like regulations. We don't like boundaries. We like boundaries if it keeps people out of our space. We do not like boundaries when it keeps us from doing what we want to do. Come on, somebody. Right? See, like when you're on the freeway, the line applies to everybody else. But never to you. 
right? Um, you ever been to a pool before and you walk to the pool and you get excited to go to the pool? Maybe it's like, like right now when it's 155 degrees outside. You're like, I just want a pool. And so you walk up to the pool and you're getting ready to go, like just run. And for all the guys in here, if you're like me, my initial response when I walk up to a pool is I'd look for all the people around the side of the pool and I think to myself, who can I cannonball the best? Right? And then you look to the side and there's a big old sign that says, no diving allowed. And right next to that, no jumping allowed. And right next to that, just stare at the water. We don't want you to do anything with it, right? Like, <laughs> have you noticed that they create a lot of rules right now? Everything is, is, is rules-based, regulations-based, boundary-based. But how many of you know that I know diving in the pool is there to let you know that the reason you don't dive in the pool is because you're not aware that it's only three feet deep? So like me, you don't want to do the rules, and so you would just take off and dive if they weren't told to you, to let you know. And then for some of us, if you're like me, you flat out ignore the sign, and you do it anyways, to which your wife then goes, are you dumb, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if we're all honest, every single one of us here today across all of our services and online, we struggle in some sort of way with rules and boundaries. Doesn't matter if you've been a Christ follower for years or you're kicking the tires of faith. Humans have a distinct issue with rules and boundaries. Come on, somebody. Can we be honest in church today? And this is something that traces back to the creation itself. Now, before we get into this conversation, to be fair, this conversation, I have to acknowledge that the issue of boundaries and Christian ethic are and will be foreign to those of us in here today that are kicking the tires on faith, are seeking but not sure, or simply don't care nor believe what God has to say about personal conduct and Christian living. I understand that. We have a wide net cast today. There's all kinds of us in here. I'm acutely aware that in this room today, there are those of us who are pursuing a relationship with God, are trying to figure this out, and then some of us are just trying to pay attention to what's going on. So I, I want us to hold that intention. Does that work? Like I, like, I understand that there's a different side of the coin here that some of us are going to view this through. But here's my job. I stand up here today as a pastor. I stand up here today as a proclaimer of God's word. I stand up here today as a herald of the gospel. And so, therefore, I'm going to teach you what the Bible says about some stuff. Is that all right? Okay? Just got to put that out there. Another qualification that I must make before we dig in today, is that the content over the next few weeks is not a conservative issue or a liberal issue or a political issue, nor is it a sides issue. What we will be dealing with today in the next few weeks is a Bible issue. It is a kingdom issue. And long before political parties and political discourse hijacked some of the content that I'll be dealing with today, these topics were first Christ-centered and sacred, something that has long been lost in our current climate of postmodernistic, humanistic, fad-focused, politically charged, easily offended trigger world. <laughs> some of you are like, I don't know. In his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, author and writer Carl Truman comments on this way of modern culture by saying this, the death of sacred order ushers in the unstable cultures, or better, anti-cultures. He goes on to then say this, with nothing beyond themselves by which they can justify their beliefs and practices, we are doomed to be volatile, entropic, and self-defeating. 
In other words, when we ditch the sacred order, we lose all sense of purpose, design, worth, and meaning. My summation to you today as your pastor and as a communicator of the Bible is that within the sacred order of God's design, we find worth, meaning, value, purpose, design, and everything that God has for us. This is the issue that Paul the Apostle was addressing in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. Now, we're gonna break the scripture apart, okay? In order to understand this stuff at a greater depth, we need to break things down a little bit. So let's look at this thing that we call context. Bree's gonna bring it back up. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. I want us to notice a couple different things because it's easy to get this scripture confused. I'm gonna circle this, and I'm gonna circle this. What are those? What are them? <laughs> what are them? <laughs> Apparently, I don't know either. <laughs> everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. What I want you to see right here is that a cultural slogan was being propagated within the Christian community. This is not, these are not Paul's words. They're Paul's words in terms of what he's writing to the Corinthians, but what he was doing is he was quoting a popular saying of the day, which is, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And here's what we need to understand. He wasn't writing a letter to the world. He was writing a letter to the church at Corinth. He was letting the church understand that there's some stuff that we need to be aware of. This was a cultural slogan. Slogans appeal to our emotional database, especially where issues of freedom and liberty are concerned. Once you pop, you can't stop. Right? And then you kind of go like, oh, yeah. There's this thing inside of us. Let's just be honest in church today, okay? There's this thing inside of us that desires autonomy and personal authority and personal sovereignty my way. How I want to do it. My truth is my truth. Your truth is, is your truth. What I do with myself doesn't matter at the end of the day. And I need us to understand from a biblical perspective, everything is permissible, the world will say. But Paul says not everything is beneficial. Everything's permissible for me. But Paul would say, but I will not be mastered by anything. One author put it this way, in many cultural situations, slogans often appeal to freedom or liberty for their emotive power. Have you ever been like jacked up, like just got hyped because something was said and then you thought to yourself in the minute of your emotion, you're like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> right, but you're just like, yeah. <laughs> right? I remember one person, he was pumped about the jazz. Remember like, take note? Take note. He was yelling at me at it. Take note. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> but it's awesome. And I'm like, all right, I can get down with it. So cool for the jazz. But what, what about if it's everything is permissible for me? Well, my truth is my truth. You see where we're going? My concern for the church locally and globally is that we've fallen asleep over this past year and a half. And I got to just tell you, even sitting here this morning, like we've been wrestling with some stuff in, in, like in our house and with our team and, and working through things. And I just got to tell you, I don't know what it is right now, but I feel like God has given me a new boldness to go straight at some of the things that we need to go straight at. Okay? 
even this morning, like, man, what a beautiful moment. Like, I won't let the rocks go. Like, I'm going to return this breath that you breathe. Like, we're going to go for it. And the church does not have the option right now to be asleep. The church does not have the option right now to not be strong. Come on, somebody. The church does not have the option to lose its voice in this moment. Paul was not trying to keep something out of the church of Corinth. He was trying to extract that which had already entered. And it was cancer. This idea of freedom, do whatever you want, live however you want. And I know for some of you today, this is going to rub you the wrong way. It's going to be hard because you've got a lot of stuff in your mind. We're going to work through this. So I said, keep on coming back for the next three weeks because we're going we're gonna to go at it. If you go back to this first message of the series, you remember that we talked about four specific philosophical teachers that has established and shaped much of our modern thought and development of ethics and morality. We talked about Plato and Socrates, Seneca, Aristotle. Paul's teaching to the Corinthians was a direct response to a philosophical way of thinking and belief that was quasi-Platonic in nature. In other words, the Corinthians had morphed Jesus and Plato together. Plagesis. <laughs> That's not even a real word, okay? I made it up, it's fun. This way of thinking and living had developed these persuasive slogans that were impacting not just the secular culture around them, but the kingdom culture within them. And this slogan that was being used, that everything's permissible, it was one that worked to separate the mind and the body and the spirit from each other in order to create a permissive dualism which would have massive implications on their ethical and moral decisions. According to the Bible, the New Bible Commentary, I quote, Paul rejects Plato's argument that the senses could be indulged now because they could not be indulged in death. In other words, live the way you want to live now because it doesn't matter but according to the Christian narrative, according to the scope of Scripture, there is a life beyond this one. Heaven and hell are real. Jesus is our Savior. I have in Jesus eternal life. It is the goodness of the gospel. So what I do now, oh, come on, somebody. I can live how I want to now, but Jesus says I've got a better now and I've got a better future. It's the gospel. Platonic reasoning, that all senses and desire should be acted upon in the name of freedom because personal freedom and autonomy is the distinct purpose of life. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? So now we're in, in, in the cultural reality that we're in. I just need us to know that what we're dealing with right now culturally, it's not new. We haven't progressed. Everybody thinks we're so progressive right now. Like, we're so enlightened. No, we're not. We just have technology to tell everybody we're not enlightened. <laughs> right? And if you, if you want to proof it, just hop on Twitter. Hop on Instagram. Hop on Facebook. You can see, like, we haven't come far. <laughs> freedom, personal freedom, I call it personal anarchy, is not the sole purpose of our life, right? To run through fields of gold with steam in the background, feeling all of our fields and doing all of our things, and that's not freedom. That's why Paul says, I won't be enslaved. 
We'll get there. According to the first epistle to the Corinthians, a commentary on the Greek text, I quote this, the issue for Paul is what helps and what hinders. And constituting credible corporate Christian identity as a community in corporate solidarity with Christ, both a theology of identity and ethic of social or interpersonal relations are aspects of the unity at issue. In other words, yeah, big words. In other words, who we are is not up for grabs. And what we do matters. A truth that Paul would emphatically communicate a few verses later as he writes this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, so glorify God with your body. So here's the, here's, here's the thing that we need to grab a hold today. If you're, if you're wondering, like, what is he saying? This is what I'm saying. You, when we say yes to Jesus, you and I are not our own. Four people said, cool. Let's try that again. As we wrestle through this, right now I'm putting signs on the wall that say no diving allowed, and some of us are like, I don't know if, if I like that. Here's the problem that we're trying to do. We are trying to morph kingdom with world. And I just need to tell you that kingdom is pure. It doesn't, like the world and the kingdom doesn't work. God wants every part of you, all of you, everything that you are. He wants your mind, your soul, your body, your spirit. He wants everything. You are not your own at the end of the day, which is in stark contrast to the world, which says, I am my own. I am my own. I'm my own authority. I'm my own God. I am my, I am my, I am my. We're going to talk about that next week. So right there in that scripture, we are presented with both our inherited identity and a defined ethic and purpose for our life. Paul was not interested in personal autonomy or personal sovereignty in order to justify immorality. Rather, he was interested in Christian freedom, which is both guided and guarded by a sacred order that is authored by God. Here it is. The New American Commentary puts it this way. Paul championed Christian freedom, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. But his view of freedom was always conditioned by the reality that one, Believers are in Christ. Two, we are under the Lord's authority. And three, we exist in relation to others in community. Simply put, here it is. We belong to Jesus. We are not our own authority, and our life impacts others. Someone needs to write that down today. Now, remember, remember back, go back to the beginning of the message, how I prefaced everything. I understand that there's going to be tension in this room today because some of you do not believe this. And some of us are still trying to figure out whether we believe in this. And some of us are right there on the verge of saying yes to Jesus, but you need somebody to let you know the truth of what it's all about. Yeah. And I don't want, like, is anybody tired of bait and switch? Yeah. I'm so tired of bait and switch. So here, here's bait and switch within the church. Bait and switch goes like this. Hey, come to Jesus. Everything's awesome, nothing will go wrong. You'll have a fat house, an amazing car, a big old bank account, you'll magically get a six pack, everybody will love you. Then we come to Jesus and we go, house didn't change, car didn't change, bills didn't change, nope. Things got harder, it's not easier. I don't, want, like, I don't want us to come to the place where we say yes to Jesus, 
because we think everything gets better. I need us to come to Jesus because we realize that he gave his life for us. We come to Jesus because he's got a better plan for us. We come to Jesus because he's got a better design for us. We come to Jesus because he walks with us in our broken moments. Like the song we sang today, his love is so good that it won't leave us where we're at. Oh man, I feel such faith in the room today and the presence of God in this place today because at the end of the day where truth is proclaimed, freedom takes place and who the Son sets free is free indeed. You belong to Jesus. This is why boundaries are important. We'll talk about the practicalities of it in a few, in a few weeks. You're not your own authority. You don't make up the rules. Right? Come on, peewee league parents, right? My kid was in football. Do you know how many parents were trying to change the rules on the sidelines? Watch one of the coaches, he walked out on the field. He was mad after a play. I loved this, by the way. Coach walks out, he's having words with the ref. The ref's like, I don't know, 17 and a half years old. Coaches, coaches, 40 plus years, like he walked out too, like just walked out. Just, I need to talk with you. And I watched this whole transaction take place. And then the words that came out of the 17 year old's mouth blew my mind and made my day. He's like, Coach, I'm sorry, but I don't make the rules. They are what they are. I was like, Oh, praise Jesus. Like, come on, game on. 1 Corinthians chapter six, these verses will be where Paul deals with personal morality, ethics, our imputed identity, which is from God, bought and paid for by and through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And I just need us to know, as your pastor standing up here today, I believe that. So what I preach I'm not trying to tickle ears or make you like what we're saying. What I'm trying to get you to do is see the goodness of the one who got out of the grave. Listen to what the Bible exposition commentary says. The Corinthians had two arguments to defend their sensuality. First, all things are lawful to me. This was a popular phrase in Corinth based upon a false view of Christian freedom. We have not been set free so we can enter into a new kind of bondage. As Christians, we must ask ourselves, will this enslave me? Is this activity really profitable for my spiritual life? Their second argument was meats for the belly and belly for the meats. That was a phrase that was in Corinth at the time. They treated sex as an appetite to be satisfied and not as a gift to be cherished and used carefully. Sensuality is to sex what gluttony is to eating. Both are sinful and both bring disastrous consequences. But this ethic that we're talking about extends long past sexuality. We're gonna talk about that over the next few weeks, but you have this very strong framework taking place within this piece of scripture in Corinthians because let's be honest about this, we can all get down with like don't murder and don't do this and don't do that, but have you ever noticed that when it comes to our our person, the, the personal side of us, especially where sexuality is concerned, all of a sudden we really throw up the defenses when it, when it comes to this issue. 
Paul was showing us that. He was letting us know there's a place and a, and a position that you can find yourself in where you will watch your human defenses go up, your human autonomy go up, where you will be once again face-to-face with whether I choose God or I choose myself. Healthy, Christ-centered boundaries. It's what we do when you have something that needs to be protected that is worth value. Right? Those of you who have bought a new car recently, you know this. Because you park it 85 miles from the front door (laughs) of every place you go. Right? Some of you came today to church. Right? To church in a brand new car. And you walked in sweating. Why? Because you parked at the DI. <laughs> right? He's like, nobody can touch this truck. <laughs> and we say things to justify you like, I know what I paid for it. I know what it's worth. Isn't it interesting that the older that something gets, the less we care about its value? When you first buy a home, it shoes off the front door. Doesn't matter who it is, the president could show up and you'd be like, shoes off. <laughs> right? The Lord Himself could show up and you would ask him to remove his, his shoes. And then six weeks later, it's like, oh, it's okay, it's hardwood. Then six weeks later, and six weeks later. And soon people are coming in the middle of the winter with salt and goo and all kinds of stuff, and you're like, make yourself at home. We have a way of as humans to disregard value as we get used to it. I just need us to understand that God never disregards the value that is assessed to us. He doesn't get used to it because he gave his son for it. You never forget that. (laughs) So when he looks at you and I, he sees the value that is assessed to you because he knows what he paid for it. He knows the good work that was done. He sent his one and only son. Oh, this is the basic tenets of the gospel. This is why I started preaching 15 plus years ago because the God man Jesus came. He gave everything for you. He gave everything for me. And I stand in freedom because he's good. His name is Jesus. This is why we do what we do week in and week out. This is not a service to spectate in. This is a sanctuary to worship in because we come together in all of our stuff realizing that we are valued sons and daughters. They protect the life that God has given to us, these boundaries. We're gonna talk about the importance of creating them in our lives. why it's important to to trust God with these things. Because I need us to understand something. Healthy boundaries and an ethical framework for life protect what has been blood-bought by Christ. The full freedom experience of our humanity is not the personal expression of anarchy, but rather the expression of a spirit-led self-discipline. Once again, Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through to 26. I'm going to invite the team up. Listen to what it says. For you were called to be free. We like that part, don't we? See? It's called to be free. We love freedom. 
especially in America. America, we love freedom. Don't we? Liberty, the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> going to step on toes here. There's no such thing as an American church. Doesn't exist. There's a Christ-centered church. A kingdom church. You were called to be free. I love how somebody set an alarm for me. <laughs> They're like, you're done. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> for you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. We're going to dig into some of this stuff, because we blanket statement things like, that's just the way that I am. This is how I've been created. Problem is, is we're cherry picking certain things from scripture, not looking at the totality of it. Because he says, I say, then walk by the spirit and you will not certainly carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. <laughs> so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. And then he just says anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. There is a way, you're taking notes today, everybody looking at me when I say this, there is a way which is better. I'll go on record, tweet it, Instagram, online. He said it, straightforward, no gray area. There is a way which is better. There's a better way. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't, doesn't mean it's without tension, but there's a better way. And that's what we're gonna look at over the next few weeks. Teenagers, there's a better way. Come on, young adults, there's a, there's a better way. Parents and singles and married people and divorced people and everything in between, there is a better way. Old people, young people, in between people, there is a better way. I feel like I'm giving you a Dr. Seuss book. There is a better way. 
And I'm here today as your pastor to declare that the here, here at the well, my job is to proclaim the better way. My job is to proclaim the gospel way. My job is to proclaim the narrow path. My job is to proclaim the thing that Jesus gave his life for. My job is to proclaim that in Christ, you and I are a new creation, that we have been set free from bondage. So why would we go back? I gotta let you know, I'm, I'm, I'm shouting like this right now, not because I'm angry, but because I'm in passion. Some of you don't know me, so I need to let you know that. This is what gets me up in the morning every single day when hell itself is throwing everything that it wants to throw at the world. I just need us to understand that there is a church that needs to stand up and start proclaiming the goodness of the gospel.